I want to welcome you back to our Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, we're going through the book When Sinners Say I Do. Um, it's a marriage book, but what I've done is converted it. It's really talking about our sin nature, and as Christians, that we are saved and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we will continue to struggle with sin until we go to be with Jesus or He returns. And again, if you missed any weeks, uh, you can go to BassChapel.Church, and like whether it's our Sunday mornings, which uh, uh, we're only having one physical service together a week at 1020, and it's in our gym, and we're social distancing, so I, can, I encourage you to come be a part of that. But if you're still not where you can do that, uh, we show that at 6 o'clock on our Facebook page, and uh, you can also go to our website, BassChapel.Church. It's on iPod and YouTube. So there's a lot of different formats and ways for you to view that. And also, I really want to encourage you. Uh, this is a really good time. We know how we always want to invite people to church. And now you even have a better way of doing that. But if you share, like, our broadcast or share things, then your friends and your Facebook page or whatever see that. And maybe they'll uh, hear the message and uh, help them grow in God. So I encourage you to do that. BassChapel.Church, it's all there. Um, our giving, we have three ways of doing that. Physically giving uh, during our service. We have an offering plate out there. We don't obviously pass the plate. And then also we have a secure P.O. box. And then also online giving. And so thank you for everybody being faithful in that. And if you have a prayer request or anything, please email. Again, I keep going. BassChapel.Church, uh, that's where you can get all these connections. Our uh, mission, we have a back-to-school uh, giveaway on clothes, and we ask that it's just adults come in with a mask, and they can uh, look for clothes for their kids or themselves, and food, that's Wednesdays, and that's from 9 to noon. And if you have a need outside of that, please contact the church, leave a message, and we will get back to you. And so uh, we continue to pray for your safety as we uh, go through this time, and this is a really good time to witness. This is a really good time to share. And, and so I encourage you to do that in this new ways that God is providing for us. Let's open in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We ask that you speak tonight as we continue to look at the sin nature that we have and that uh, the freedom and the power of the Spirit we have to deal with this in our everyday lives. Bless everyone, and as they go through this and their different needs, and I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I also want to let you know, for those with small children, we have a viewing room now where you can watch the service physically through a window, and then we have sound. And so for little or children, if you feel that there's a need to take them out, that's uh, the, the service, that's fine. And, and again, we're kid-friendly, and we're working on a lot of different things. Uh, um, we're going through the parables on Sunday, and uh, that'll go for quite a while. And we're working on having a thing called a parable packet where the children can have something that goes with the sermon and uh, they can be working on that. So we're trying to work in these new things. We've talked about our men's studies and our women's studies. We're looking at doing those in a safe way, and I think our men's study will be starting back up again in a, in a few weeks. And so we're just kind of slowly edging in this because we want you to be safe, but we also want to help you grow. And so anyway, those things are coming up. Um, we're on Chapter 5, and mercy triumphs, uh, trumps, triumphs over judgment. And... The title, he says, How to Sweeten the Days and the Years. Well, you know, that is a good point. Uh, how can life be sweeter instead of bitter? And it's always a, a choice. And it starts with a section called A Curious Command. And so Jesus, we're going to see here in Luke chapter 6, you know, he kind of gives the disciples a code of conduct. Um, and and the, it was like, what, what does it mean to serve Christ? 
first he starts with the Beatitudes, and then he follows with warnings of uh, to those that are yet unaware of their need for a Savior. And then in going to the heart of the matter, things get really interesting from what he says. And this is what we find here in Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear, hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And if you, if you love the, those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, uh, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to uh, get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Big section of scripture we're going to look at tonight, and 36, I think, would sum that up. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Consider who's listening to Jesus. It's peasants, it's fishermen, it's tax collectors, it's zealots, you know, prostitutes, and an assemblage of riffraff in the eyes of both the Roman occupiers and the Jewish authorities. Now consider the commands that he gave them. Love your enemies, do good to them who hate you. Don't strike back and lend freely to those who will never repay you. That doesn't even set well with me. And the more uh, action movies I want, the more it's like, yeah, that guy waited, and now it's time for payback. you got to watch that. It can get you charged up. Consider, consider what in the world Christ was saying. He summarizes it there in the final command. It's all about mercy. And giving. that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Give shape to mercy. God's mercy means his kindness, his patience, and forgiveness towards us. God's mercy means his kindness, his patience and his forgiveness towards us. Romans says, it's your kindness that leads to repentance. Why would we want to have to do with anybody that is not kind, that is not patient, that is not forgiving the fruits of the Spirit? Mercy explains how a holy and loving God can relate to his sinners without compromising who he is. So mercy is how God can deal with us without compromising the standard. We deal with compromising a lot. And Luke 6.36 says, this, Be merciful, like we talked about, even as your Father is merciful. Before, we're, before we were Christians, we weren't neutral or ambivalent toward God. We were against God. Romans 5.10 says this, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. De- uh, so we were enemies, but we were destined for the wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, which is something we really kind of forget. And it sounds pretty grim, but God chose to respond to us, his enemies, in love. That's mercy. That is the reality of the cross. 
Christians have experienced. That is the example for us to follow. This also raises some important questions for sinners who say, you know, are going through life. Do you see others through the eyes of mercy? I don't. And you, Pastor! I feel, I really feel the older I get, the more I see my sin. I'm not saying I'm sin more, but the more I see, I just learn how to act right. What's in my heart? And you got to go back to Jeremiah. And I want to follow God. And I know that I'm saved. But when you're in the car by yourself and somebody does something stupid, you know, and, and you find yourself uttering, you idiot, okay, or maybe something else. I'm not saying that ever happens to me like last week or a couple of days ago, okay. Uh, make sure I don't do it on the bus with the kids there, okay. But you know what I'm saying? That... We need to understand, do you see others through the eyes of mercy? I want it, but they need to get the full extent of the law. The books aren't out. If you answer either question is no, it's unlikely that your life is sweet and mercy sweetens life. We get in the next section, he talks about passing along. Have you ever thought that passing along God's mercy might be one of the main reasons he has you still here in life? Guys, this is our witness. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. Everybody's expecting people to come, and, and, and Satan is such a liar. Well, you said this is wrong, and you believe this, and you believe this, so you don't have mercy. No, that is truth. We need to show mercy. And this is our witness. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. Um, life is a place where, where sinners are, are connected, and well, not so much in the COVID, but the masks come off when you're those close to you. It's not only that sometimes we put out our best faces in public, it's that when and those that are close to us, we see each other in all kinds of situations, including the difficult ones, and we see this wonderful diversity. And in case we, uh, we see all our, our, our quirks and we see all our, our things with the people that are close to us, and yet sometimes we show mercy or we don't. We begin to see when you get close to people, how they really are. And we're not really letting that many people close to us. I'm not saying everybody has to be our best friends, but guys, whether it's marriage or your children or or friends and family in life, despite all the ways we're protecting ourselves, which we should in, in ways physically, this is, this, is, this is one of the biggest ways I think the devil is attacking is the fellowship of the, of the body right now. And that we have to think outside the box. And we're used to, well, I see you at church. Or I, I see you here or there. And now we need to make a phone call or a text or a card. Or scary for those that are technologically not used to it. Maybe FaceTime somebody. See what I'm saying? we got to reconnect. And we we got to get close to people. And we got to show mercy and grace and offer it to them. Without, without mercy, differences become distinctive. Sometimes even irreconcilable, but deep, profound differences are the reality of, of life. And see, this is what we're dealing with in society. You're different than me. You know, this. And God looks at the heart and the soul. You know, and we need to look beyond that. Um, and so then mercy kind of gets hidden behind a wall. The point is not only to receive it, but to transfer it. This is what we're going to be looking at tonight. We want mercy, but how much are you transferring it? How much are you giving to someone else? That's uh, an example of what, uh, of what to do with mercy. It's to be received, enjoyed, and celebrated, but then it must be passed along. 
Um, it's like having your cup full and you, and you just let the water stagnate instead of letting it keep filling up and filling up and filling up and overflowing and others use it. The Father offer mercy to us so we might share it. How do we become sharers of mercy is what we're going to be talking about tonight. And it doesn't happen by accident. Mercy in real time. You know, not I taped it or whatever in real time. Mercy doesn't change the need to speak truth. You know, see, this is the problem. Well, I showed them mercy. I didn't tell them the truth. The totally different things. It transforms our motivation from a desire to win battles to a desire to represent Christ. Last week we talked about the fact of, you know, the get the log out of your own eye so you can help your brother with the speck in his eye. Okay, but so many times we're just trying to just deal with the truth and there's no mercy. There's a place for all. I think part of it's the order and what's happened in our lives. Um, it, it takes me out of the center and puts Christ in the center. That This requires mercy. So it's not about me. You want them to see Christ through you and you want them to see his mercy. Mercy takes people who are capable of open warfare over parking spaces, toothpaste tubes, toilet seats, the fact that you didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher when it's open, not saying that that makes me upset, but when it's in the sink and the dishwasher's ready, okay, we won't get into that, all right? That enlarges their vision to include the Savior. Does it matter? Can I show mercy? Mercy confronts a sinner wrapped in self-pity and protected by pride and shows him the way out of darkness and delight. Let's talk about that again. Confronts a sinner wrapped in self-pity and protected by pride and shows him the way out of the darkness and the light. Oh, I, at least I'm not like him or I'm too bad. Huh. Mercy inspires us to move beyond the power and government of self-love back to the nobler and beneficial, benevolent principles of a new nature. Again, if anyone's in Christ, second, uh, Corinthians 5, 17, new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So we're new and we need to let God grow in us. We have a spirit. We're not only sinners, we are also the object of people's, of other people's sin. Let's, let's, let's unpackage that for a minute. We're not only sinners, we're also the objects of other people's sin. They may be mad at us. They may want to talk about us. We have enemies, people who don't like us. No, we don't. Pastor doesn't. Never. I never say anything. A lot of times they won't tell you. Uh, we uh, who abuse us, who make unreasonable demands, people who treat us how they want, uh, people who treat us how they want to, without consideration of our feelings. And in Luke six, Christ is relating some pretty distressing details about life. You know, he talks about they did this to you, they did that to you, and everything because Christ is showing a comprehensive reach of mercy. You go back, and I encourage you this week. Uh, and, to, and tonight or whatever to go back and read Luke 6, 27, 36 and you look at that list that is people that are not using mercy and they're wanting their own way and they're taking advantage of you and then God says show them mercy and everything on that list makes you want to speak up stand up and do some other things but is that mercy is that what God wants you to do by addressing grievous scenarios he talks about all these things and when you can extend mercy to the spiteful, the violent, the selfish, and the wicked, you can extend it to those who annoy, ignore, and disappoint you. <laughs> That's a little bit softer, but yet mercy is for everyone. Mercy is not a pass all the time. We're going to talk about forbearance here in a little bit. But mercy is given to be shared, and what it touches, it ultimately sweetens. Think about it. How it can... Take a situation that's highly charged 
and totally feel like it's like when a child does something wrong and you want to yell at them, but you use a softer voice that makes them more scared. You know, I, you know what I'm saying. I, I, that's happened in my life. When I've yelled, the child's tone has increased. You know, instead of saying the same thing in a soft way. Mercy is given to be shared, what touches it ultimately sweetens, and it should sweeten things. We are to pass along what we have received from God. Steadfast love, I mean, he talks about that so much in, in Psalms. Inexplicable kindness, overflowing compassion. We sinned against God. He responded with mercy. We are called to go and do the same. See the theme that keeps coming back? You've received mercy. Go and give mercy to others. Now, how about a practical look at how mercy works day to day? So you tell me, to be merciful and give mercy. But how do I do that when? Practical kindness. I like this section. One of the truly amazing things about God's mercy is that it, he sees every sinful act, motive, and thought we ever have, and he still relates to us in love. He is the one that sees it all and knows it all. And he still loves us. So this is the example we need to follow because we don't see what people are thinking and doing all the time. We look at some things and assume and judge, like what we talked about last week, and we're probably going to be wrong because we're the chief of sinners and we need to look at ourselves first. But Romans 2.4 says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that, like I said, the kindness, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Leads us, the phrase tells us, his loving kindness meets us prior to our repentance and draws us. He's not merciful after we act right. He's merciful before because he sent his son promise of mercy is, is traceable throughout the Old Testament. You see God with Adam and Eve and with the children of Israel and everybody involved. And, and dwelling in the heart, dwelling in the heart, loving kindness and preempts our sinful judgments. God doesn't just dispense mercy. He is merciful. Um, Luke Luke 6.36 is, uh, like as we go back to it, it says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Such kindness expresses to us, makes us claim upon us. We are called to continue in kindness that we received. Um, Romans uh, 11.22 says this, Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Interesting. We are called to continue the kindness that we receive. Oh, he was kind to me and I'm saved, but doesn't mean I have to be kind to you. And I really have to watch this because depending on if I've had enough sleep or enough sugar or too much sugar or whatever, I can be kind of persnickety. And that's not right. Not because I'm the pastor and I'm talking to you. It's not right as a believer. And so we need to continue to show kindness from the kindness that we've been given from God. Kindness says to, our, says to others, I know you're a sinner like me, and you will sin against me, just like I sin against you, but I refuse to live divisively with you. Or defensively. I know you're a sinner too. I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm not going to be at odds with you. I'm going to live learning, leaning in your direction in a merciful posture. You know when somebody's mad, get their arms crossed, face down. I'm not mad. Or, Lizzie's, I mean, you know, you, you may ask your your wife a question sometime. Are you upset? My wife's really honest, though. So I mean, but I know some people may deal with that. No, I'm not mad. Or the or the husband will do the same thing. 
posture. What kind of posture? And in our society now, we're all wearing masks, and we're keeping six feet away. And you know what? I, a smile does a lot, and in our bus driver training, remember to smile at the kids, and I'm like, that's the loco and cabeza? You know, you're crazy in the head? How are you going to smile? And you got to think of a way to be positive in your voice through the muffle of the mask and to smile with your eyes. So I have that down. I just got crazy eyes. Am I smiling with my eyes? Okay. I'm not wearing a mask like they do. I'm going to go chase a rabbit here. People on TV, if you're watching, like you're watching this anyway, stop wearing a mask when you're in front of the camera. You're just in front of the camera like you're going to make it sick. I know you're trying to set an example, which is great, but let's talk. Let's express. You know, that's just a pet peeve, you know, chase that rabbit. But, boy, what kind of posture are you throwing off? Man, I know there's some times. You know, when, when I went back to the bus thing, you know, and I'm thankful for that. I like what I do. But I was just grumpy because I didn't sleep much because the first day and all this kind of stuff. And I don't think I was that nice. I'm not saying particularly the kids, but maybe some other people. And that is wrong. I'm not saying it because I'm doing a series on it or I'm your pastor. I'm saying... God's given me kindness. What kind of posture are you throwing off? You know, how can you how can you be kind knowing that there may be another sin against you right around the corner? Uh, I usually cringe. Okay, here it comes. Or this person calls me, and every time they call me, they're judgmental, and I've done something wrong. And I hate to put it this way. I got this. It's not a spidey sense, but a spiritual sense, and usually I'm right on that. You know, but you know what? Who cares? I still need to be kind. I still need to be merciful. And their opinion doesn't matter as much as God's. Because kindness does not have its origins in you, but in God. It isn't a personality trait. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And go on to 23 in gentleness. And and self-control. And such things there is no law. God's going to have to do that. Colossians 3.12 Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Guys, I constantly have to pray, God, help me with that. Because on my own, you know, that's not going to happen. Lamentations. uh, Well, 1 Corinthians 13.4 says this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Lamentations 3.23 says this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Talking about His mercies. How awesome. How blessed we are. And kindness is a posture of the heart and it flows out in our actions. This has hit me right where I live. Waking up in the morning. You know. Is my heart filled with your mercy? Is my heart filled with your kindness that regardless of what happens today, that I'm going to let your love flow? Like mountain streams. Okay, no, that's a different song, but we won't get into that. But you know what I'm saying? What's your posture of your heart and flows into your actions, daily life stuff, and reprograms your behavior in life away from self-focus to the redemptive purpose of God? So we need to be waking up. God, thank you. Doing better than I deserve. I deserve hell. That you gave your son and I wouldn't give my sons for anybody. See what I'm saying? We need to look at ourselves first. 
so we can show the mercy of God to others. The faithful practice of loving kindness shows experiences of grace in, in life, into life. There are kindnesses shown in normal routine of life. There are the grace moments that we draw on the times of the trial. It is really harder. It, it really because I do find myself. I do find myself that when I go someplace, I don't notice much. I really don't. And so I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I do the general pastor smile when I go into a place, I, and maybe local or something. I do the smile scan, where in case there was somebody I didn't notice that you know that I know that. Okay, but beyond that, it's not about people I know or being the pastor. It's about showing love and kindness in your tone and your time. We're such in a hurry, and I've been there, and especially younger people. And, you know, the older people are always saying, you know, about your kids, don't blink, it goes. Yeah, it does. I didn't listen to them then, and you're not going to listen to me now. But it goes by quick, and your kids grow up. Or the fact of taking the time right now to, one, live in God's mercy and to stop and smell the roses and help others smell the roses of mercy by how you react to them. Um, they are kindness shown in normal routines of life. They are the grace moments that draw on the times of trial. Next section, mercy under attack, do, uh, do unto others. You know, well, we don't like that. Um, we also we kind of try to reverse that, but this is the golden rule, and some people try to take God out of it, you know. But Luke six thirty one says this: "As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them." I want this, so I should give it to them. What would happen if we really, you know, did that? You know, great. Again, a, a response of actual mercy is only possible for sinners like you and me when we pass along the mercy we receive from God. It's a flowing pipe. So what happens if you don't let something in a pipe flow? It gets clogged up and then it's not mercy. It's just something sick. Here's some practical ways he shares that we can show mercy when we're under attack. Now see, as a pastor, one of the verses, I don't have it memorized, but I remember it. But one of my qualifications as an elder, as a pastor, patiently, patiently correct those who oppose you. What do I want to do in my flesh when, when somebody's being a butt? I can be nice and maybe not cuss them out. But I'm like, okay, I'm digging in here. Or I'm going to tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. The only way I can patiently correct those who oppose me is that I'm focused on, on, on God's grace, realizing I'm more of a sinner than they are, and Holy Spirit, help me. Because on my own, I'm not going to be nice. So here's some practical ways when you're under attack. Because when we're under attack, we're not thinking, oh, I'm just going to show mercy. I'm going to love them. Here's some things. Remind yourself that your greatest enemy is the enemy within you, your own sin, which is what I talked about. When you're not in, confl- when you're not in a conflict, ask, e- ask each other the question, what, like these are your friends, your spouse, or whatever. What behavior of mine expresses anger or lack of love to you? I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> if we're getting real with our friends and our spouses, what is it about me that, you know, what behavior of mine expresses anger or lack of love for you? When you do this, I don't feel mercy in your life. Whoa. 
Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Confess your sins one another and pray for another so you may be filled, uh, healed. That's a, uh, James 5.16, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That's what we're called to be as Christians, is get close enough where we help each other with that and grow in mercy. Learn to love in the style of 1 Corinthians 13, being patient, kind, and resentful. Resist being a defensive attorney in your mind. <laughs> I, I didn't do it. You know, or a prosecuting attorney. Defense is, here's my case for doing this. Prosecuting, this is why you're wrong. Or resist that. Memorize and apply wise advice from James. I had to learn this one early on, James uh, one nineteen. Be quick to hear, slow slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? I remember this guy early on in ministry he called me up and he was a scary guy and he called me up and he says you're not saying much and I said I had to learn James 1.19 quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger we've been talking about what scripture are you learning right now I'm, I'm trying to learn first uh, either first or second Corinthians I always get my ones and twos mixed up but it's 15 verses uh, 3 and 4 and the core of the gospel. You need to be learning scripture and scripture to apply to your your life. And why am I learning the core of the gospel? So I can easily explain the nut of the gospel. Um, applying, like James one nineteen and 20, applying this one verse in the heat of conflict can have an amazing effect on where the conflict goes. This helped me so much. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What patterns of sin are causing persistent problems? In other words, I have a sin in my life and it's causing... A problem consistency. Um, where patterns of sin are causing persistent problems, draw in other people to help you with that. Um, pastors, friends, uh, family, your spouse can be a good one who can help you spot a chronic problem. Why did I have to learn uh, Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining? Because my family consistently showed me that I am a grumbler and I'm a complainer. Maybe not to everybody else, when I get home, and that's not right. See what I mean? Learn the scripture, mercy, aware. Like a great theologian, Clint Eastwood said, Dirty Harry, a man's got to know his limitations. You need to know those areas. You need to be accountable. Ideas like this will not eliminate conflict, but the biblically sound strategies of responding to the heat of our, our spouse's sin or, or other sin in a way that doesn't increase the temperature. Remember we talked about the oil in our engine are we heating it up or complicate the process of resolution? you got to figure these things out. One thing I've learned, if, if I can avert a two-hour argument with two minutes of mercy, that is a win for everybody. Start with mercy for yourself. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you're headed to hell. We talked about that Sunday. And hell is a reality that Jesus talked about more than anybody else in the Bible. Receive Christ right now. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe you died and rose from the dead for your sins. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 5. For I delivered to you what I first... For I delivered to you what I what I first received also, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture and was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. That is the Gospel. Ask God in your heart to save you. Receive that mercy. But most of you that are watching tonight, some of you are going to be sharing this, hopefully. 
that, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you're not that merciful or you're thankful that God gave you the coffee, which I am, or this or that, and time and all this kind of stuff, and you get out there in the world and you just shut up and the mask causes you to shut up more, and I'm not against that, okay? And the distancing and the things that say, this is what I'm saying. We need to be safe. I'm not disagreeing with all this stuff. But God has designed us to be social beings and to have the fellowship of the church. And so, therefore, we're putting a lot of these walls up that we need to, but we're going to have to be creative and continue to show mercy through a card, a call, a text, whatever. You see what I'm saying? How are you doing in showing others mercy? I encourage you to receive Christ. I encourage you to live in Christ. I encourage you to continue to show the kindness that you've received to let that mercy flow through your life. Because you're the witness, Christian. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. We'll continue this chapter next week. And I want to encourage you with the things that are going on to be a part and share these things. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thanks for this opportunity to be here. And I pray you help us to receive and give mercy that only comes from you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.